Hi, it's G3, and today I am delighted to have two members of the Weiss team, Jordi Visser and Laura Drobin, here to talk with me about Weiss's recent NFT drop. You heard that correctly. Weiss dropped an NFT, which is a portrait of the firm's founder, George Weiss, set against a pixelated cityscape with important touchstones of his life incorporated into the work. As far as we know, this drop represents a first for a traditional financial services firm, and no, it is not for sale. But it is most definitely designed to plant a flag or innovation flag to be more precise. So please check out important disclosures at the end of the episode and get ready to hear our discussion about non-fungible tokens. This one you don't want to miss. All right, we are recording. Jordi, when we started talking about Web3, I remember that initial period of discovery and the interest that you had. And to be honest, I thought you were going to one day come to me and ask me to help you set up your wallet and acquire some Bitcoin or some ETH. What I didn't expect for you to say was, let's do an NFT. And I think to kick things off here, what I would like to get a sense of is what was your reasoning for determining that diving into NFTs was the best way to access the brave new world of Web3? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of thoughts come into my head randomly and I just throw them out there. In the case of this one, let me use an example, first of all. So you know that our relationship was built over my Kentucky Derby paper. Yes. So in someone who always has done work on the Kentucky Derby just out of pure interest, because it means a lot to me and it's something I'm focused on. When someone asked me to write a paper on it, I wrote a paper on it. And now here we are 11 years later and I'm still doing it. And the reason I did it then and it fits in with this NFT is I don't believe you can go through life believing something is going to be worth something in the future or something that you do is important and not get your hands dirty and get involved in it. So since I spent all that time on Web 3.0 and my absolute belief that it will change the world going forward and that it's an innovation that's going to be involved, NFTs, the more I spent time and understanding from the beginning last year until probably the end, I would compare it to the importance of the app store as someone who has spent time. And what I mean by, I guess, saying that, just throwing it out there is it's going to expand the usage or the understanding of the blockchain. It'll drive more people to it. It'll continually get more and more news at various times. Obviously the news right now is all negative on the blockchain and crypto because of what's happened in the fiat asset world, which has helped drive the crypto world down. But the reality is tokenization will impact asset decisions. It will be something that will be a part of our lives and the ability for people to get smaller pieces of things. And so tokenization is real. The fact that we're trying to have everything authenticated is real. And I don't think people should ignore that trend. And I've said this is the borderless internet, which opens up competition around the globe. And so for the firm in throwing this out there, it was really, let's go through the process, get our hands dirty and get one out there. I must admit that when you talked to me and others like Laura about doing this, I nevertheless was initially caught off guard because, you know, there are many ways in which you can get your hands dirty, of course. Why didn't we just go out and set up a wallet 
buy a CryptoPunk or a Ringer or a Fidenza or maybe even a Moonbird, which is a very hot collection these days. Why didn't we just go out and buy one of those as a first foray in your view? Okay, well, this goes back to a paper I wrote in 2013 when on the back of Moneyball, I wrote a paper titled Adapt or Die. And it was all about you can fade what's happening with the acceleration of innovation and in particular the birth of the smartphone and tablets and the app store and all of these things that were being a disruptor. You could ignore them, but I thought that you'd be in trouble if you did. For our own industry, that meant believing that you could compete with quant strategies and with big data. And so every single innovation that comes out, I do believe if you're going to stay on the cutting edge, particularly when you're 55 years old, you have to start to get your hands involved in it. And it leads to conversations with other people. I mean, how many conversations have you and I had about this? How many conversations have we had with people that you've brought in from knowing people throughout that? I've had more interesting conversations with various people that I'm sure eventually will be on the show with Inside This World. And so how do you stay legitimate and talk about it and get on podcasts and write about it, the importance of it, but not get involved? And then I think to use two quotes, and this is something, again, that gets back to your hands getting dirty. But one of the, I guess, Twitter followed loved people with inside the NFT space is a punk 6529. And there's a quote, which I'll give you a separate quote from a movie that I like that matched up with it. But it's you cannot learn how to do things simply by watching others do them. You can only learn the reality both technically and how you feel about it by doing it yourself. And this gets into my favorite movie of all time, Goodwill Hunting. And there is a scene inside the park with Robin Williams and Matt Damon, and I won't go through the whole thing, but part of the thing he says to Matt Damon, who's obviously a genius in the movie, but hasn't really done anything. So if I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the scan every art book ever written. Michelangelo, you know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope, sexual orientation, the whole works, right? But I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You've never actually stood there and looked up at that ceiling, seen that. That is basically my belief in life in these things is that you have to take knowledge and combine it with experience. And so the NFT experience for us is something that to me is not only valuable for us doing this podcast, but for the entire firm and what we are trying to do as a company. How do you like them apples, Laura? <laughs> I agree with everything he just said. Have you seen the movie? I have not. Okay. So oh, boy. You, you, I, 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 definitely <laughs> on your summer to-do list, I think. All right. Well, let me ask you, Laura. I know you have a background in math, and you are no stranger to writing code. But you had never done any coding for a blockchain-based application before, right? Like, you had no experience in Solidity. That's correct. Um, no experience whatsoever. And I, I mean, I have to admit, I was definitely a little bit nervous when Jordy mentioned this is what he wanted to do. But Jordy knows this. I do have a background in R and it's something I taught to myself. And so I figured it's really all it is, is a different language. So if I learned R, I could learn Solidity. But basically, Jordy said, figure it out, do what you have to do. Congratulations on being challenged. Exactly. Gotcha. It really gets away from my hands getting dirty. You're, you're basically implying <laughs> I did nothing on this. <laughs> no, you did a lot, but you didn't want to be the only one who got their hands dirty, I Correct. think is the point. All right, let me ask you this, because, you know, as I was involved in and aware of what was happening here, 
the question that would often pop up in my mind, Laura, is why not just go with a off the shelf contract? Why go the route of doing something customized for the first one? I think it ties back a lot to what Jordy just said about getting our hands dirty. And in my opinion, the whole premise of NFTs in general is that it's a completely proprietary image and a unique image. And so in my head, it was like, why not go that one step further and have a complete unique code? And then also just if you're doing something from the ground up, you're almost certainly going to encounter problems. And that's what really teaches you the lessons that you need to learn. And we encountered a few, but we had some help along the way though, right? We did have some help along the way. We did hire an outside developer, someone I knew very well, and he had a lot of experience actually deploying prior NFTs. So I really wanted to learn from him and also make sure it was done right. So not to just jump in here and push it a different direction, but one of the important things in a project like this is it starts with collaboration it extends into creativity. But then once we've spent time on this and we went through the whole process by it taking maybe a decent amount of interaction between the three of us, plus the outside consultant, I wanted Laura to shadow this person and figure out how to be able to do it. So it's the beginning of something. And that's the important thing. Whenever you do anything like this, it wasn't meant to be one thing. It was meant to be the beginning of something and to have someone go through it and learn something new is a powerful experience for not only us, but now for the firm. It's akin to the, the old parable, you know, give a person a fish versus teach a person to fish. Exactly. Right. So I learned a lot from him. And now you're the fisher. And now person. I'm the fisher. Okay. I will feed the firm. <laughs> <laughs> feed the firm, the fish. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about why we decided to have this first NFT featured George. I think it's safe to say that he probably never thought he would be immortalized in an NFT. From your standpoint, Jordy, why was it important for our Genesis NFT to be a portrait of George? There's a lot of reasons on this. I'm going to start with the obvious ones and then finish it with a conversation George and I had privately a long time ago. George is a legend in the industry. He's a pioneer in terms of basically starting market neutral back in the 70s. He's been a mentor to more people than you can imagine through his connections at Penn and the Wharton School. His story to me, I don't know the best way to describe it. I've used something which I'll say again here. He's kind of the Forrest Gump of the hedge fund industry because <laughs> the amount of things the man has done that very few people know about because of his privacy are just amazing. But I think when I joined and he told me he was... At the time, I believe a seventh degree black belt who had just participated in the Olympics. <laughs> he just has an amazing story. So to do an NFT with him on those levels is one thing. The second thing is the firm is transitioning from a company that no offense to George, he's not. And I think he'd be, he'd be <laughs> willing to admit this. He's not the most technologically advanced person. I get a lot of butt dials from George on a regular <laughs> basis with 44 second voicemails that have nothing on them. So I would not think that he would be opposed to saying that we've with the baseball cards and with the podcast and the content strategy and the way we use and have integrated technology into the firm and hiring people like Laura who code and our data scientists. It's an evolution of a company that has changed and we've done one other thing, which has become a private partnership and kind of changed the model of hedge funds focused on enterprise value. So all those reasons would be enough. But then there's one more, which you basically said in terms of immortalized 
George and I had a conversation before I joined and then subsequently after the great financial crisis where I asked him, does he want his name to continue on? Would he like a legacy of the Weiss name because of the brand and just how special of a person he is to continue? And he did. And so this is one way right off the bat. It's there. It's on the blockchain. It's not going anywhere. So he's been immortalized no matter what. And so it fits in for all those different reasons. Yeah, it's something I think a lot of people forget about when they deploy something to the blockchain. It is immutable. It is there forever and ever and ever. Let's speak a little bit to the style of the work. If you could talk a little bit about the thinking there and why opt for an image that had some pixelation. What's the big deal about pixelation? Okay, I'm going to start this. All right. But to be honest with you, Really, Laura brought stuff to me without having any say in this. So she really kind of went through with the consultant on the different, I don't remember how many images we started with, but let's assume it was 12, something like that, 8 to 12. Some of them pixelated, some of them not. So I think in hindsight, probably from my time with the CryptoPunks and probably from my time of seeing the types of things on what people did that pixelation just seemed to make the most sense based on what I had already seen. I don't think there was anything more to that. It was just my taste in art at a given time, which might be different than everyone else's, but it started with the creativity of showing different types of things. And we started with pixelated or not pixelated. And I also think that in terms of pixelation, it really is a representation of just Gen Z millennials in particular and the importance of just meme culture. And it's really a nod to that and Weiss's commitment to staying relevant and in that learning mode, just as the youth is. Absolutely. I always think about how in 100 years ago or thereabouts, impressionism was such a big deal. And impressionism and pixelation, I think, are kind of connected in a way, but we use a different word for it. And because we use a different word for it, some people have different associations with it. But this idea that sometimes you can create a greater truth through blurriness rather than just crystal clear sharpness. Exactly. Yeah. And I totally agree with you about meme culture, by the way. I, I think there's something really interesting about that. As I said from the onset, and we've made abundantly clear, this Weiss NFT isn't for sale. But you have alluded to the fact, Jordy, and I know through our conversations, Laura, that we're not done with this. Can you talk about what Weiss's plans are in the future as it relates to blockchain and NFTs and related topics, Jordy? Hmm. Okay. (laughs) I was not expecting this question. Two separate answers. I never know where anything is going for sure. I take a very Bayesian approach and go through it. And I do believe in the Steve Jobs quote that you can only connect the dots looking backward. You can't do it looking forward. But I will say this. The main purpose for this was nothing specific about NFTs and how they're going to be used. It was about the fact that there is no doubt in my mind that the blockchain will continue to grow. It will be a disruptor in our industry And that by getting involved in it the same way we did in 2013 by using data analytics, using R to build our own system for talent assessment and for behavioral alpha measurements, things that I still don't think most of the industry does in in a similar way. We're just trying to take what is going to be a disruptor, embrace it, get people used to it. Also, we started on this trend of branding and 
really getting the culture to buy into the technology. I talked about the partnership structure. I talked about trying to attract younger talent. All of these different things are fit in it. I mean, Laura's joined us in the last year. The office is growing a lot of young people that want to be around this type of technology and this type of focus. It's exciting, but it's also exciting the path and the journey to know that whatever is coming down the road, that we're going to be able to pivot and get involved in it. And so many people, because they don't understand it, are just scared of it. And I go back to Moneyball for one thing. There's still a debate on how much analytics should be used in baseball. Moneyball came out in 2003, I believe. But that means that Billy Bean hired Paul Podesta, who was Jonah Hill's character, back in the late 90s. So it took a long time for the rest of sports to embrace analytics. And I think the teams that had the advantage, I mean, the A's were one of them, but then the big market team that really got the analytics going was the Boston Red Sox. Led to them winning a uh, multiple World Series. By the way, if we ever do an NFT with George again, I, I think he and his friend Nick were at the game clincher with me for the Red Sox when they beat, I believe it was the Cardinals. And I have him singing, what's the Neil, I can't remember the name. The what, Neil Diamond song? The Neil Diamond song, yeah. He, he, I have him singing on there so we can find a way to do an NFT of that. I think he'd really enjoy it. Oh, that would be beautiful. <laughs> All right, well. Everything was going great with this discussion until you brought up the fact that the Boston Red Sox have won World Series, but I'll try to get over that. And just finally ask you both, I got a sense that there was some measure of urgency in getting this done. Laura, can you just talk a little bit about why that was the case? And I will never forget the meeting that we all had with George where we were clear in our intent to try and move this forward sooner rather than later. But from your vantage point, what was the big deal about doing this ASAP? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just the importance of being the first major traditional financial services firm to put out an NFT for no other reason than to just get the experience was really important. And yeah, I mean, I just think that it's really cool and that it's on the blockchain and we can prove it and it's there forever. I mean, yeah, I will never forget when I started hearing Jordy talking about this and I was like, Hmm. is this going to be a thing or or not? But he kept at it because it was most definitely not the way in which I thought we were going to go on this. So Jordy, final thoughts. What next are you going to throw out at us that uh, we don't see coming? <laughs> I, that I don't know. I do regret one thing. The second that this journey started when we talked about it to doing it, we should have done a mini documentary because it would have been interesting. We could have done that as an NFT, but nothing would be better than to watch George's face as we showed him the final decision of it and him having no idea what it meant. And I'm looking at it at a pixelated version of himself, I remember having no idea. His first comment, his first piece of feedback was just thank the designer for giving me one less chin. <laughs> I'll never forget that. All right. On that note, thank you both so much. This was great. Thanks, G3. This podcast should not be reproduced, copied, distributed, or published in whole or in part. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only. The views expressed herein are subject to change without notice. The information in this podcast is based on data regarding current market conditions from sources believed to be reliable. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be viewed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. 
to consult your own advisors regarding business, legal, tax, or other matters concerning investments. Please review related show notes for this podcast and visit www.gweiss.com to review related disclosures and learn more about Weiss.